Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 79 of the Still City Insider Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jeremy Rich, alongside Jim Wexel. But never mind Jim for today. We have Mr. Mark Caballi with us from The Athletic. I love you, Jim. <laughs> President of the Pittsburgh chapter of the Pro Football Writers of America. Mark, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. I just have to correct you a little bit there. I got impeached about uh, last year, so that's Joe Rudder right now. Okay, uh, all right. Well, I'm, I'm the emeritus, I guess. Okay. Well, I was like, uh, what's the guy in Seinfeld, Morty? <laughs> yeah, I know, I get it. At the end, right? To, to correct Mark, Mark's funny. He wasn't impeached. I mean, I, I didn't, I wasn't asked to vote, so I don't know anything about an impeachment, but I think your term just expired, didn't it? Yeah, I you know, uh, the, I called Joe Rudder now Gerald Ford because he was appointed vice president. Then Del Lawley couldn't do it because he took the Steelers job, so he was appointed president. So somehow he got elected president without being elected at all. So he's Gerald Ford, Joe Rudder. <laughs> awesome. See, see, these are, these are the nuggets you get here on, on the Insider. But down to business. The Steelers have just a, a, a an awful loss this weekend to the Houston Texans, thirty to six. And just when we thought it couldn't get worse than that San Francisco 49ers game, they do one better with just an abysmal performance. And gentlemen, where do we even start here by picking this thing apart? <laughs> wow, me. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, be honest with you, I think we all expected the offense to struggle. To the degree, I wasn't really expecting the defense to be able to just, you know, not stop anything. I mean, we're talking about a rookie quarterback in Stroud. Okay, he's pretty good, but it's not like he's done it for more than a game or two. So how they were so easily moving the ball up and down that turf and that field and scoring at will and and out scheming and looks like they were one step ahead of him is one that – surprised me the most especially with that offensive line so, so banged up I thought they were going to be able to get some pressure so I start with the defense even though everybody likes to talk about the offense I was disappointed in the defense more than probably anything else yeah you know the defense has its flaws and I I think Houston attacked them uh the 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 interior guys as much as Montrevis Adams has been getting penetration the last couple of weeks, almost intercepted that handoff against the Raiders. He still, he, he jumps around the center. So a lot of times he can be pushed right at clean out of there. And uh, Ogan Joby's never been a run stuffer. So you got that, those two up there. And then you've got the middle linebackers just aren't doing it. I mean, it, it took uh 50. It took Alana Roberts half a game to get in a groove. He 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 got gashed wide. He he got two things. I thought Kendrick Green could do well when he was here. One is block downfield and hustle downfield. The other was play fullback. And uh, boy, the Steelers could have used that on fourth and one. And uh, that screen in the middle uh, to start the game. Yeah. Uh, Kendrick Green got out on a land Roberts and just bullied or no Cole Holcomb just bullied him and knocked him to the ground and it went it went for a distance and so they attacked the middle and then they were that opened things up outside and they have some good tall receiver you know Nico Collins a good receiver so I didn't see that coming I didn't see that coming I know he had a good week one Jim but I didn't think he was that good I mean they made him look like a pro bowler 
they did. They did. Yeah, so definitely the 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 poor run defense trend continues from week one, uh, but didn't anticipate that to occur against the Texans. But you're right, and I just wanted to kind of zero in on this a little bit. For, for all the criticism that Kendrick Green took while in Pittsburgh, the irony of him going to Houston – and like you said, Jim, playing bully ball where they just really ran all over us. But, you know, the Mark, to your point, too, we we knew that the offense would struggle, but we didn't think the defense would struggle this bad, especially to people who were calling for sack records uh, yeah. by the edge rushers. But they were they were non-existent, too. What what do you think contributed to Highsmith and Watt not showing up on the stat sheet in terms of sacks? Probably over-aggressiveness, right? I mean, they read the clips, too. They know there's George Fant, Fant who's 562 years old, and uh, whoever that guard, other tackle was, had 39 career snaps. They're figuring they're going to be able to get after the quarterback as well, and it, it played right into their their scheme. I mean, let him get upfield and get behind him with some of the screen passes. I haven't seen that many screen passes in you know since the 80 Steelers or something that seems like a that's a lost art almost to run that play it's not an easy play it's not a timing there so i think they just used their their ability against them right there and and you always have to be careful of the quarterback who can get out of the pocket as well even though he didn't do much of that he was able to throw on the run at all so i just think it was I mean, I hate to put it all on coaching, but they just had a great scheme. They had a great plan, Houston, and they 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 absolutely followed it to a T. And I think, you know, when you have great coaches or at least innovative coaches, that's the type of situations you get with what you saw in Houston. Mark, I'm sure you've interviewed Bobby Sloak's dad. I am not sure. Bob Sloak is a Baldwin High graduate. Okay, And uh, we all, you know, those of us who worked for the PG zones all had to do the Bobby Bob Sloak story at one time. It, he was, might been, it might have been before my time a little bit. I don't recall well, him kid, at all. The kid was born in New Jersey and went to school at Green Bay. So he was following the nomad father who was getting job, who is now in Montreal Alouettes defensive coordinator. So, I mean, he has a football background. It's not all just pro football focus that raised Bobby Slowick. So he has a coaching background and did a great job. Like you said, with those screens were beautiful, beautiful time. I mean, we don't see that in Pittsburgh. We see screens to a tight end for minus six yards. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't see that much. I mean, that middle screen you said early in the game, I think that set a tone where those edge guys are thinking, yeah, I got to be careful here. I just can't go all out here. So it's a great, great scheme, and you have to think that, you know, other teams might follow that suit. I'm not quite sure how well the Ravens run the screen game. I don't think they do, but, uh, I mean. Why not? It, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, what the Ravens do, and you know this, Jim, they run that outside zone. They like that stretch play, and if you're out of your gap and you're screwed, I mean, so they're going to have to be gap and gap sound this week as well or you're going to get gashed in the run game as well well they have a history of not being gap sound but against the ravens they they do fairly well uh yeah. and i expect the bounce back but just one point about the outside linebackers uh stroud got rid of the ball so quickly i i don't understand why there's not more press man coverage with those pass rushers it should work hand in hand especially with joey porter jr and that's one easy move that 
can be made yeah. after the buy. I mean, you saw last night, Jim, um, Devin Weatherspoon and how oh. much he took over a game. I know he's yeah. a he was a more of a you know what was he top five, top ten pick, a little bit higher pedigree than Porter, but that's the type of play is potential, I guess, there with Joey Porter. So, I mean, I don't honestly, I don't think they do a lot of press management because I don't know if they trust Patrick Peterson's legs anymore. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, you drafted Joey, you got those edge rushers. You can't let a, a quick throwing quarterback. That's why he wasn't sacked. And I, I will say this about the outside linebackers. They did potentially make a difference. I mean, when TJ, you know, JJ was announcing and TJ rushed the quarterback into the intentional grounding on third down, I believe the score was 16-3. That, they got the ball back, then made it 16-6. And then the next series, after, at JJ Watts said, this defense will be juiced after what TJ did. And they were. Alex rushed a third down incompletion. The Steelers get the ball back. So I think the offensive uh, still were influential, potentially trying to get this team back in the game, but the Steelers' offense just refused. Well, the coach didn't help much either going for it or at least making that play call when it could have been a one-possession game at 16-9. to I don't know how you don't take it at that point. You know what I'm saying? You make it a one-possession game rather than, Going, you know, shotgun and rolling to your left and whatever happened. And when exactly. Kenny got hurt, you know, that's just a weird, weird play call, in my opinion. You go one possession, which with one possession, anything can happen. I mean, you're in the game. I thought that's coaching 101, but I guess not. Well, he thought the spot was closer and he called timeout. That was per your question, Mark. Yeah, the, but my question was, what about the play call? That was a, yes, that, that's what I thought. He that's evaded. What, that was yeah, he evaded it. That was my question. What about the stupid play call? <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing was, after the timeout, when he saw that it was a full yard, maybe a little plus, yeah. kick the field goal then. Yep. If you yep. don't have the confidence in Najee, I mean he's your he's your big bruiser back, and that's what he's there for. Oh man. And plus they, they, he was running the ball with so con, so much conviction in that third quarter, too. Was. I mean, I would much rather give him that opportunity. I was thinking it was going to be one of those nausea over the top type things that he always stinks at, but uh, this was even worse. This was even worse than that. Yeah, so that was a perfect transition to talk about the offense. The uh, weird play calling. Uh, I think that you referenced it, but you know the the elephant in the room here, Matt Canada, Steelers Nation calling for his firing, but we know that that's more than likely not going to happen. Uh, if anything, at the end of the year. But what do we? attribute just the I'm 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 at a loss for critical words here to describe this offense but how what do we attribute this poor performances consistently to you want to take this one Jim I I mean you have to look at the coordinator I know the quarterback playing that well but you have to look at the coordinator it's as Tomlin said last week in his press conference it's not well coordinated I, I mean, um, you know, I, I look at some of the plays that blew up. Um, Darnell Washington would come across to handle a guy who was unblocked, an edge player who was unblocked, like Hughes, and he would miss the block. It, it looks like they have to execute every single assignment perfectly to get what Canada wants done. Um, it, the screens are abysmal. Uh, and and the, the 
the fourth and ones, the third and ones, there's no rhyme or reason. There's, there's nothing. There's, it's thoughtfully non-rhythmic and uh, it should be thoughtfully rhythmic. Really. I've had enough of thoughtfully non-rhythmic. Let's stop surprising people. I think they should get back to the basics. I mean, hit the guy in front of you, move him off the ball, run the ball, um, easy passes. Um, you know, other teams run like five, six yard big routes to make it second and five. I don't think it should be that complicated to put yourself in second and manageable and, and third and short. And I don't know the numbers on it, but I'm sure the the first and nines and the first and twelves and the second and eights are out of control with this team. And I think that's probably where it starts at once you get in that position. This offense isn't really. I mean, they're missing some people. I mean, I think Deontay's hurting more than we might think because I don't think George is quite ready to handle that double coverage constantly. So I think a lot of, you know, bad first and second down plays leads to Kenny having to make a play on third downs, and he just hasn't been accurate and he hasn't making the right decisions. He's been skittish. All the things that we did not see from February to like August or September, all of a sudden comes together at once, and Kenny turns into a below-average quarterback. I never saw that coming. To be honest with you, I would think that that old Kenny's still in there somewhere, but he's going to need to find it quickly because I didn't see this coming. Because everything that he we saw him do in the offseason, he's just not doing it. I don't understand why there's not. I mean, Calvin Austin has established himself as a deep threat. Now, why can't he do more crossing patterns, more ends, more more short stuff like like you're suggesting? It doesn't always. And Pickens is getting double covered. Yeah. So why not some short stuff to Austin or Connor Hayward? That's the one right there. And he's a niche player, and they worked him all training camp as a niche player. And he 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 has great hands. He might have the best hands on the team. He's sticky fingered, man. So they, those, they, they haven't found a place for him at all, and it's it's a shame that they haven't found a place for him. They might need to find a place for him now with Fryermuth out for a while. But uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. I don't know what you need to get this offense going right now. I mean, I would like to see. I don't know the specifics, but I would like to see like every other quarterback in the world have two play calls in the huddle, a run play and a pass play, and say Kenny. Count the box. It's not that difficult. I've felt algebra like five times. And I could count the box <laughs> and be able to tell you to run or throw the ball. You know, is that that difficult? But I don't think they allow them to do that. Well, you didn't have to figure out what X was. Yeah. It's just you could just count. Well, you got the X receiver and the Y. I still screw oh, those yeah, up. Okay. And the Zs and the whatever, all those other stuffs. But uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, let me so- add this, Jeremy. Let me add this. And I know nobody wants to hear it, but. I saw this as a bad spot. I predicted a loss. It's a terrible spot. And nobody wants to hear about this in the NFL, but NFL handicapping throughout my lifetime has been half is the physical nature of the team, and the other half is the emotional situation the team is in. Still, while while the I hear the, the sports talk hosts raving about how the Steelers could look so bad, then they're, they're talking about, how the Jets can look so good one week and the, and so bad the next week. And they don't seem to mesh it all together that this was a really bad spot for the Steelers. Just, just one theory is watch 
and you can go back and count, and I haven't counted in a while, but it used to be a theory I'd always look at for Monday night teams. You win on Monday night, and you win the next week, go against that team the following week. It's a sustained emotion. And those were two emotional games for the Steelers and a long trip west and a flight delay. And I tell you, Mark, I know we're not supposed to talk about practice, but they are so different after a win or two wins. You watch the chatter this week. They'll be talking and yelling, and it'll be yeah. it'll be coming off an embarrassing loss type of chatter to practice week. Why doesn't that isn't that sustained every week? I don't know. You know, I, I, I who probably leading that way is the head coach too, right? Uh, once once he feels like that they need something, he's up there, up everybody's rear end, getting them right. fired up. It's not like he doesn't always do it, but it's like takes that to the next level. Um, yeah, I, it's it's tough. I mean, tr- you you see the practice. I mean, there's not much physical stuff going on. A lot of it is the mental stuff and the getting ready type of stuff and paying attention stuff. So, yeah, you're right. They're probably going to be a chatter, and they're probably going to play one of their better games against yep. the Ravens. That's just how it is. Well, I, you know, another another handicapping theory is if you lose by more than 14 points over the point spread, look for a bounce back. And you do see that emotional bounce back routinely. And people are going to be talking next week about how they can't sustain it. But that's just the nature of the NFL. Yes, it's, you know, the teams of the 70s and and even those teams of the aughts, they had the ability to sustain that emotion. They were self-starters. They had great, great, great talent. And uh, just because that great talent isn't there anymore, uh, it shouldn't be mocked and ridiculed right now because that – that makes that great talent less great. I mean, there's a reason those Heinz Ward and James Ferrier and those guys were great. They had that inside. And uh, these guys gonna, aren't showing. I was going to say, next time, Jim, put this in your notebook, next time they have like an eight-hour flight delay on a, on the <laughs> on their plane, pick against them. <laughs> Write that in your notebook. Pick it. We stay on the We stay on the tarmac for eight hours. I'm picking against them the next week. Well, how many hours did they stay on the tarmac this I week? Two, I thought it was a couple hours. I thought it was two hours. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure what happened, but I haven't heard about that yet. But uh, it was at least a couple hours. So, Jim, if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, this team is not as bad as we think they are, and they're obviously not as good as they think they are. There's an opportunity for them to rebound here. Absolutely. I mean, they're playing statistically worse than the last four, the first four games of last year. But last year they were one and three against weaker competition. This year they're two and two against stronger competition. So they they got a game break, even though they're playing poorly. Uh, and, and I expect a, a big time effort this week. And and with the Ravens looming was part of that emotional flat spot in the schedule against a rookie quarterback. I don't know if every everyone around here still thinks Dick LeBeau is coordinating the defense, but they don't own rookie quarterbacks anymore like they used to. Mm-hmm. I, maybe that's a, a, an assessment of rookie quarterbacks now who come out are much better prepared. Yeah. But anyway, so those are those are some of my theories, and uh, I don't know, Mark. I think what you need, Jim. I think if you look last year, how that when did they get better? When that offensive line start playing better in the second half? I think that's been a pretty major disappointment. I don't think Samalu's been playing as well as he probably was billed. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just getting used to people, if he's hurt. I don't know what it is. 
if that line's able to gel together like it did last year, and it, I mean, it's a it's a similar offensive line. It should be better, right? I think that's the key. You get that going, then everything else falls into place. If you're able to get Hayward back, you're able to get Deontay back, Fryermuth back, then you have a schedule that's – I'm not a big schedule guy because that changes weekly, but you do look at it and it's not daunting, at yeah. least until the last three weeks of the season. Or two now. I forgot the Bengals stink. Yeah. <laughs> well, pivotal, pivotal game coming up this weekend – Against the Ravens, it's going to be highly emotional, and it's an opportunity for them to get some of the stench off them from this past loss and then go into the bye week, regroup, and get ready for the second half of the season. And that's going to do it for Episode 79. What about changes? Aren't we going to see uh, yeah. changes? Changes, yeah. Well, I, I know you're trying to get us out of here, Jeremy, but... <laughs> <laughs> Never. I, I'm interested in what Mark thinks they should do up front offensively. Change-wise? Yeah, I mean, does James da- – Matt Williamson has been talking about putting James Daniels at center and Herbig at right mm-hmm. guard. I see. I don't know. I mean, Herbig I, didn't impress me, didn't wow me, I would say, no. in his first game, right? So right. that could be just first game. It could, I mean, oh, however, I mean, if he doesn't get his he- – if he gets called for getting his helmet ripped off, Kenny doesn't get hurt and they might end up winning that game because he did get his helmet ripped off on that third and fourth. 17 play should have been automatic first down, but who's counting? I, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Mason Rudolph. I uh, Mason Rudolph, Mason Cole. I think you need him as that, you know, that center fielder, so to speak, that catcher, so to speak, to point out everything. I don't think it's too bad. I, I think you just need to get Sam Alu playing like you paying him like eight, nine million bucks. And I guess Dan Moore is walking around with a knee brace. If he can't go, I think Roger Jones is going to have a tough couple of weeks to get, you know, up to speed. He, but he I'm not. I, I'm not a big James Daniel moving him to center guy. I would have to see it first. I mean, how many times has he ever played there? I mean, maybe his rookie year. I mean, I don't even recall in Chicago how much he's actually played center. So I don't see that coming. I mean, for for a boring answer. They're just going to have to start playing better. Pat Meyer's going to have to pull out that that magical dust he used last year and sprinkle it over him or something, <laughs> right? I mean, Roderick Jones looks like he gives up the inside move fairly quickly, and he looks like he knows it and he overcompensates and he's a little shaky out there right now. But I mean, we're looking for changes. <laughs> uh, the other change, the other change on the defensive front, I I, I got to play Benton at nose tackle. Mm. I mean, everybody wants Fajoko, but I don't know. I mean, he's very limited in what he can do unless you're looking for that third and one plugger. I mean, you put him out there, then all of a sudden you're spreading the you're spreading the guys out, and all of a sudden he becomes a liability. I think that's why he hasn't played or haven't even dressed yet. So as for other changes, I mean, you mentioned it. I think they need to make a decision of what they want to do at safety too. Is it going to be – is it going to be Keanu Neal? Is it going to be Demonte KZ? I'm I'm not a big or even a slot guy with Sullivan. Just pick one and go with it. I mean, I I think that might be hurting him a little bit more. I would like to see, you know, Minka just to play center field a little bit more as well. Maybe subtle changes like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more Joey Porter. I can tell you, guarantee you one thing. 
They're not like handing the playbook over to Eddie Faulkner or Mike Sullivan on the other side. I can guarantee you that. Well, is there any anything that can be done offensive coordinator? I don't know. I think we'll – I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you're not going to have two people call plays, right? That's just stupid, right? You can't. You can't. Unless you take the play calling away from him, then why is he even here that right. you have Mike Sullivan or Faulkner or whoever it is calling somebody else's scheme? It's just nothing I, makes I, sense. I, I just I I think they start doing what they did with Chuck Nolan and their 1968 season is spend the year scouting. And the, the guy who comes to mind, I mean, if one San Francisco guy after another keeps impressing us like Houston's yeah. group of San Francisco guys. Brian Greasy is their quarterback coach. Mm-hmm. And Matt's Matt Cecil brought that up and and I've been I've been thinking about Brian Greasy ever since. I think they ought to look deep into that guy. Yeah, they might look at a guy like Leftwich too. I mean, I know he ended Tampa sorely or not very good, but I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he's not on the radar at the end of the season as well. I know, but that sounds like another Tomlin buddy move. I can't. I mean, let's look hard at San Francisco first. <laughs> Maybe Art should jump in and make him hire Todd Haley back, right? <laughs> <laughs> you well, don't know what you you don't know what you got until he's gone, right? Everybody who wants Haley back now, right? Hey, I clamored for Arians to go. I mean, that was a huge mistake. It <laughs> <laughs> brings Ray Sherman back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sadly, it does does not look like there's going to be any changes made at that position until uh, next season. Um, Anything else as we wrap up here, guys? Mark, what are you going to ask Tomlin? Uh, I want to ask him about the potentially um, play calling, if he could split it up somehow, just to see the reaction. I know the answer is no. Like I said, that'd be like a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, what, what are you going to do? I mean, the play calling's a thing. I mean, can you have a guy scheme a offense and have somebody else call the plays? Because maybe maybe Canada schemes well, but just doesn't know how to call plays. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not so sure about the scheming part, though. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> they see they screwed up last year. I mean. I thought they should have got rid of him last year. Now you're wasting a Kenny Pickett year this year, and you're going to have him battling up your hill next year trying to learn a new system. So I think then all of a sudden you're having to make the decision whether you're going to make him your franchise quarterback. That's why I thought Canada should have went last year, but I don't make those decisions, Jim. I don't know what else to say, Jeremy. I think Mark <laughs> nailed that one, and uh, I appreciate I appreciate Mark you uh, appearing with us. I know you got a busy day today. Yeah, I am here at the press conference right now. I'm the only one here, so uh, a little bit before we uh, t- guys taped this. So uh, if Tomlin gives me a dart or two, you'll know why. <laughs> well, Mark, <laughs> we appreciate you coming on the show, episode seventy nine. And we will see you back here next week. We're Jim number 80. Can't believe it already. Hopefully we're discussing a Steelers win over the Ravens. You can check out Mark's work at the athletic. We'll put a link in the show notes. Check out Jim's work at the still city insider. Uh, give Jim a follow on Twitter or excuse me, X uh, at Jim Wexel. Give me a follow at still study. And we will see you back here next week for episode number 80 of the still city insider podcast.
Take care, everyone. <laughs>